Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. Let's pray. Give thanks to the living God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you, Lord, for your spirit. We praise you for your word. And Lord, we pray to give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying through your word this day. Lord, let your spirit be alive to us. Let your word be alive. And Lord, I just in Lord, trust, Lord, I'll be able to deliver the word in the manner that you intend. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hear and to speak of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. For those who are not aware, this month's topic is on calling. And uh, there's many examples of calling throughout the Bible. Uh, there's callings of all sorts of things. We could be here for uh, well beyond dark <laughs> if we were to cover all the callings. There's uh, individual calling. There's corporate calling. There's specific callings. There's all sorts of callings throughout the Bible. And uh, But this morning, I, I just want to focus on two. And uh, I've entitled my message this morning, Call to the Battle, Chosen for the Fight. And uh, Call to the Battle of Salvation. And chosen for the fight of faith. But I want to make it clear, when I'm talking about the fight of faith, I don't mean our individual faith fight. I mean a significant fight of faith that delivers others. That, uh, you know, specifically there, there's a fight of faith at times where people are called to deliver others, to deliver nations, individuals, you know, whether it be towns, whether it, whatever it be. So when I'm talking about the fight of faith, I'm talking about, that kind of fight of faith. And, uh, but I believe all people are called to the battle of salvation, but not all chosen for the fight of faith. And why do I say that? My answer is, not all, position, not all people position themselves to be chosen for the fight of faith. And not talking being in position physically, talking about being in position spiritually. See, David and Goliath, well, no need to turn there uh, the, to the Scriptures. We all would be familiar with the story. If you're not familiar with the story, it's in 1 Samuel, uh, really starts in 16, but mainly in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, that's where the story is. Uh, see, there were, there were plenty called and physically present at the battle, but only one, David, was chosen for the fight of faith. See, the Israel army, they were prepared and they were positioned uh, on one mountain. And the Philistine army was on the other mountain, and there was a valley in between. They were in battle array, so they were ready to fight. They had their armour on. They had the, the war cry. The battle cry had gone out, and they were there physically ready for the battle. So they were called to the battle, but they weren't chosen for the fight. David was chosen for the fight, and he went and he fought, but he saw the battle different to the others. See, Goliath used to come out, he made it a, a, a power encounter. You know, who's going to choose for yourself a man who's going to come and fight against me? And because of his statue and because of, you know, the words that he said, they were fearful. But David come along and made it a truth encounter. David knew what it was to be anointed by the living God. And he was anointed. He also knew what it was to be in covenantal relationship with the living God. He knew what it was to, be, uh, to have trust in the promises of God. 
So therefore, he was prepared uh, physically. He was prepared. You know, he fought the lion, he fought the bear, he, and he was there present. But he was also uh, prepared spiritually. See, it was a spiritual fight. So he was prepared spiritually for a spiritual fight. The others were there uh, physically prepared for a spiritual fight. And uh, so that, that's where I see the difference. See, only David was prepared. And so he knew he was anointed. And see, David wasn't in the battle for his salvation. He knew he was chosen by God for the fight of faith, for the salvation of Israel. And uh, see, let's not forget how big a battle being called the salvation is. If we turn to Ephesians chapter 6, reading from verse 10, might even be up there. Actually, I might read it from there. I can read it easier. <laughs> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle, verse 12 is what we're really getting to, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, yours, mine, everybody's salvation is a battle. Don't be fooled into thinking it's not. There's a battle going on the whole time. And 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, that's a positional change. A positional change. We must remember that we're in a battle for our salvation, but a positional change takes place when we come to Jesus Christ. We're no longer under the, the, the attack in Christ we are seated with him in the heavenly places, far above the principalities and the powers of darkness. There is a positional change, a spiritual positional change. And the battles may still be the same, but because now we have Christ on our side, we can overcome the battles. And there will always be a battle for your salvation. There's a battle going on the whole time. Why do we struggle with unbelief? Why do we struggle with self-condemnation? Why do we struggle with this, that? The list could go on and on and on because there's a battle for your soul. Why does the battle seem to get larger when you accept Jesus into your life? Because while we were working for the devil, there was no need for him to battle for your soul. It was already there. But now you came and make a decision to follow Jesus Christ the battle, the ante is upped in the battle. And there's a battle for your salvation. And we need to be ones and to believe and know that we are called to the battle of salvation. And we position ourselves then to fight and be chosen for the fight of faith. And uh, it goes on. But see, it's a spiritual battle that's manifested in the natural. Manifested in the natural. You know, we always seem to be fighting someone in the natural, but it is a spiritual fight. And, uh, but if we need evidence of that, we need to look no further than the Garden of Gethsemane. See, it wasn't physical pressure that caused Jesus to sweat droplets of blood. That was spiritual pressure, manifested naturally. It's not natural for someone to sweat droplets of blood, is there? There was a spiritual pressure that came upon Jesus in that garden that caused him to sweat droplets of blood. See, that's huge pressure. That's big pressure. See, there was a lot at stake. 
salvation of mankind was riding on, depending on Jesus' response to the pressure, to the battle that was taking place between his physical being and his spirit. He was having a battle as well. You know, my father, if this cup could pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. There was a huge battle going on. It was going. He was chosen for the fight of faith. Why? The main reason, there's plenty of reasons, but the main reason, he was positioned for it both physically and spiritually. He was physically sent to earth for it, but he positioned himself spiritually as well. His preparation was prayer. He prepared for a spiritual fight spiritually. That's what he did. The apostles prepared for a spiritual fight physically. They slept. <laughs> that was their preparation, wasn't it? One of the biggest fights that was going on in the, in the foundation of the world, salvation to coming to mankind, and their preparation was to sleep. Jesus called them to the battle. He called them to the place. Come watch with me. Come pray, you know, unless you enter into temptation. You know, he, he did that. He called them to the battle that was taking place in that garden, but they weren't chosen for the fight of faith because they weren't prepared. They weren't ready you know, you think how big that battle was, how big it really was. You know, Jesus' response when they come to rest him was that he went freely. It was a spiritual preparation of prayer. The apostles' physical preparation of sleep, well, what was their response? Cut off the servant of the high priest. Cut his ear off, I should say. They didn't even go to the top. They didn't even cut it off the chief priest. Now, that was their preparation. That was as good as they got for them. They just cut his ear off. It was just another opportunity for a miracle for Jesus, you know. They just put his ear back on. You don't know what you're doing, <laughs> you know. Anyway, it's a different story, but see, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They didn't get the enormity of what was taking place in the spiritual realm. See, not long later... See, darkness was on the earth. The veil of the temple was torn in two. Graves were opened up. That's how big this event was. That's what was happening at this time. And the preparation was to sleep. See, we don't get it sometimes either, do we? Things are going on in this world at the moment. Are we prepared spiritually? Are we getting ourselves in the position to be chosen for the fight of faith? Or are we sleeping? Are we preparing physically for a spiritual fight? There's a spiritual fight that's looming on the horizon. And it's for our salvation. And it's for the salvation of our nation. It's for the salvation of the world. And it's up to us to position ourselves to be chosen for the fight. The fight of faith. And uh, see, I'm not sure we always get it. Do we really have any idea of what's going on in the realm of the spirit? The battle for our salvation? I, sometimes I say, no, I don't. Do we know how big the battle for our soul really is? No, is my answer. Sometimes I forget what it is. There's a battle. It's a battle going on. But the thing is, Jesus has won the victory. We just got to walk in it. It's up to us. See, I believe if we realized how big these battle, the battle is, we would pay, pray more often and therefore be better prepared for the battle. We'd pray more often. See, with better preparation comes better positioning to be chosen for the fight. Better preparation. See, God's going to choose us. You know, there's going to be a choosing. And I, I, we need to be better, better positioned to be chosen for the fight. 
See, I don't believe God chooses the unprepared for the fight of faith. I don't believe he does. He doesn't, he doesn't choose the unprepared. It, see, the fight of faith, when God does the choosing, it always results in victory. If he does the choosing, it's a victory. That's the result. And when it doesn't result in victory, when we lose the fight of faith, it's when we've done our own choosing. We've done the choosing ourselves, or we haven't prepared spiritually for the spiritual fight. No, wrong preparation. It's either one or the two. See, God at times, or most times, even gives our preparation a nudge along sometimes. He even nudges us along. I need to have a drink. I'm running out of breath. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. He can nudge us along. But see, we need to be ones that position ourselves, get hungry and fervent for prayer, and don't rush the drinking. Yeah, always, um, always look for an excuse why we do things wrong sometimes. My excuse is the bottle was the soft. <laughs> but why do we do that? Sometimes we just got to accept we get things wrong, don't we? Hey? Just accept that we get things wrong. We get things wrong in God sometimes too. See, God doesn't make the guilty feel more guilty, does he? Hey? He doesn't make the guilty feel more guilty. He doesn't make the sinner feel more guilty. Hey, praise God for that. You know, there's just hope for all of us. <laughs> and uh, see, if God brings correction, I think if we get a correction, it's rejection. See, if God's bringing a correction to our lives, it's not a, it's not a rejection. Peter, is this cutting in and out? A bit higher? Uh, just a bit, a bit more into it? Yeah, about there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, See, think of the life of Peter. Amazing. You know, you look in Matthew uh, 16, I think it is. Anyway, he, he has this, um, God says, you know, who, uh, Jesus said, who am I, the son of man? Who do people say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven has revealed this to you. How would Peter feel? Top of the world, wouldn't he? You know, great, I'm in Jesus' best book. I'm the number one. <laughs> and then a couple of verses later, get behind me, Satan, you're an offence to me. <laughs> hey? You're an offence to me. And then a few verses not long after that, come on, Peter, James and John, we're going up to the mountain. Mountain of uh, was it? Transfiguration. So what I'm saying is, did Jesus hold it against him? No. It was just correction. It wasn't rejection. You know, we've got to remember, you know, God's called us to perfection. Yes, he's called us to faithfulness. He's called us to you know, holiness. He's called us to lots of things. But we'll get things wrong along the way sometimes. And he will correct us, but he won't reject us. See, just as Peter wasn't rejected, later on, a bit further on, he says, Simon, uh, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that when you return, you will strengthen the brethren. You know, Peter was up and down, up and down. You know, you wouldn't want to be on a heart monitor going up and down like Peter, would you? <laughs> but the thing was, he wasn't rejected. He was, you know, chosen for the fight of faith. He was chosen because he positioned himself to be chosen. 
I'm not sure how I got onto that one, but anyway. <laughs> See, this, the story of Gideon, Gideon in Judges 6 and 7. What an amazing story. First up, Gideon wasn't even prepared physically for any battle. This is the nudge that he got, wasn't it? He wasn't even prepared physically for any battle. In fact, he wasn't even considering it as a possibility. Wasn't even on his radar. He was doing his best to avoid any fight. He was hiding in the wine press out of the sight of the Midianites threshing wheat. That's what he was doing. But if you, yeah, you want to look up that story, it's in Judges 6 and 7. Well, the whole lot of it. Even more, I suppose, read the whole book. <laughs> but see, the angel of the Lord came and convinced him that he was a mighty man of valour. Convinced him as a mighty man of courage and that he was called to the battle for Israel's salvation and that he was chosen for the fight of faith to deliver Israel out of the Midianite bondage. He convinced him to do that. So free them from the Midianite's hand. That was what he was called to do. He was chosen to do that he was called by the angel called for their salvation but he was chosen to deliver Israel out of the out of the bondage out of the, the Midianites they'd place themselves there by their own acts of wickedness by their own evil deeds they have positioned themselves there they were there because of what they did nothing what God did but one of the first things that that Gideon said well where have you been God <laughs> similar words you know uh, we've heard about the miracles. We've heard how you delivered the people out of, out of Egypt. We've heard all those things. And where you been? Where you been hiding, God? Hey, who was doing the hiding? <laughs> Gideon was doing the hiding. He was the one there. But God, because of his grace, because of his glory, because of his forgiveness, or because of his mercy, he'd heard the prayers and he just chose Gideon as the one who was going to deliver Israel. Yeah, there's plenty of other examples throughout the Bible. But see, Gideon tore down the altar of Baal. He cut down the wooden image that was next to it and he used its wood to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. That's what he did. He was a bit scared. He did it by night. But anyway, it doesn't matter. He still did it. He was obedient. He was building up. God was building him. He was preparing him. And there was a preparation happening. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he blew the trumpet. I assume, presume, it was the gather for war. I, maybe, I don't know. I didn't look into it that hard. I just made that presumption myself. He blew the trumpet and uh, people started to gather. And then he put the fleece out, you know, the wet and the dry. That's in Judges 6, 30, verses 36 to 40, where he, you know, he was building faith up. And uh, by this time, 32,000 had responded to the call for the battle. 32,000 had showed up. If the musicians would like to come, please. 32,000 uh, had responded to the call for the battle. In verse 3, it says of chapter 7, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart. So there was a few there. The story is that 22,000 went home. 22,000 left. So 32 showed up. So... 22 went home, mass is good, <laughs> there's 10 left, 10,000. But what happened then? God chose 300. He chose 300 out of that. So all were called. I believe that trumpet call was the sound for all to come. 32,000 responded to the call. 
32,000 showed up. And uh, I could be wrong about that trumpet, but anyway, that's what I'm saying. But anyway, he blew the trumpet. 32,000 showed up. 32,000 positioned themselves physically for the fight. And 22,000 went home. And God says, well, no, there's still, still a few here. What's that say? Uh, 9,700 <laughs> are still not prepared for this fight. So I'm choosing 300. He, chose, he said, I'm not choosing everyone here. They'll think they've done it under their own strength. But as you read on, they, they had camels and things numerous as the seashores, sand of the seashore. So there was never going to be enough anyway. But the thing was, he knew people's hearts. He knew the preparation that was in them. So, so 10,000 in position physically, but God only chose 300 because they prepared spiritually to fight the fight of a spiritual fight. So that's the question. That's what I want to leave this morning. Are we positioning ourselves for a spiritual fight or are we positioning ourselves for a physical fight? It's a spiritual fight for your salvation. It's a spiritual fight. See, when you read in, in Peter, 1 Peter I think it is, or 2 Peter, one of them, it says, make your call and election sure and add to your faith virtue and, add, and keep adding. See, it's not exchanging your faith, it's adding to it. It's not exchanging our salvation. You know, when we call the salvation and accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, there's not an exchange of our salvation. Add to your salvation or the faith that led you to salvation. Add more faith to that and then add more to that and add more and add more and add more. It's keep adding more of Christ. And there's a battle to stop us from adding more and more and more. We need to realize there's a battle going on in the realm of the Spirit for your salvation and it will never stop. The only thing that will change if we rise in the victory and put it down every day. That scripture we started with, put on the helmet of salvation, it goes on in Ephesians there. It goes on, it's daily occurrences and you know, take up the shield of faith and all those things. It's great to put it on every day but if you put it on, don't take it off. But the thing is, enforce it every day. Enforce the victory of the cross every day. Enforce, you know, the, the power of prayer, the power of faith every day. Because there's a war going on. We're called to the battle of salvation. Let's position ourselves for the fight of faith so we can be chosen. Hey? We'll leave it there this morning. Thanks, Ken. But if you'd like prayer this morning, just as it begins to play, come this morning. And we'll pray. We'll agree. See the power of the living God change our hearts, change our minds, change our thinking. You know, whatever it is, God's into, into change. Don't be, fright, don't be frightened to be corrected by God because he doesn't reject us. Okay. Thanks, Ken.